We're live. Are you sure? I am 100% positive. Okay. Hello. And welcome to the RPG Academy podcast Twitch channel. My name is Michael, and we are here tonight for Detention Live. I, of course, am Michael. You can find me at the RPG Academy on Twitter. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. And then joining us tonight as a special guest co-host is everyone's favorite co-host, yours and mine, the Caleb G. Howdy, cats and kittens. And then our fourth, which is currently invisible, is Tom. Tom is also joining us tonight as a special guest co-host. He's currently dealing with some kids stuff, but he will be jumping back onto the stream momentarily. So I don't remember. We we said some jokes. We made like some sexual innuendo before, but we're just going to skip over all that. How the heck is everybody? Uh, yeah, tired. Me too. I understand that. So we got the Foxblade and Remy both uh, in chat already. Thank you both for hanging out with us. Really appreciate you being here tonight. Um, so we're going to start off the show as we always do with extracurricular. This is where we just talk about stuff that we've been up to recently. It can be books we've been reading, TV shows, movies, music, writing, just really whatever you're willing to share with strangers on the internet. Uh, so Chris, I'll start with you. What you been up to, buddy? Uh, mostly getting ready for, uh, my son's uh, open house. He graduated last week and Ooh. this week we're doing his open house. Fun. Uh, the graduation was fun. Getting the house ready, not so much. <laughs> Do you have to chop down any trees? Uh, no, but I had to put down, let's see, uh, 24 bags of topsoil at 40 pounds a bag Oof. with grass seed. And uh, it's been cleaning the house. And Friday, I get to take the day off and do nothing but chop vegetables because we're making a vegetable pizza for 100 people. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. That's as well as pizza. several other things that the wife... That's a lot of work to disappoint a lot of people. <laughs> it's my specialty. <laughs> is is this the kind of vegetable pizza that has like a cream cheese kind of yes. sauce? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I try to convince her just to like, let's go get chips and dip and brats. I mean, that's and, what know. pizza was made for. Like you order a pizza and you're good. Yeah. Nope. She doesn't want to do that. She's been. You know what? Her prerogative. Uh, I, so Skip Trip is joining us as well, as well as Jimmy hey, Crunch. That's me. It seems like that would be, I was like, that sounds like a Caleb. So uh, yeah, weird. So anyways, um, so again, I'm sorry, I got distracted. I'm easily uh, distracted these days. Uh, so a lot of going on with the kid. Anything fun going on? Uh, I have watched the first, what, three episodes of Obi-Wan. Uh, Obi-Kenobi. Yep. yep. Uh, we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Um, otherwise not, not a ton of fun stuff, just working a lot and coming home and getting the house ready. Completely understand. So what about you, Caleb? What have you been up to lately, buddy? Uh, so (laughs) I've been talking a lot about this old show called Smallville. Mm. It seems like I have the same conversation over and over. I don't know why. Such a great show though. Uh, so we took the week off work, um, and we have been working on the house. So, um, also what did I do? I did, I had two doctor's appointments, two car appointments for oil changes. And it was of course way more than oil changes I had to get done. Yep. We've been stripping wallpaper, which sucks real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then collapsing exhausted in the evening 
it's super boring for a vacation. <laughs> um, I did get did watch Obi Wan, so I'm up through episode four of Obi Wan. Fantastic. Been watching Owl House as it plays out on the Disney Now app before it hits Disney Plus. Also fantastic. Not a whole lot more. Hmm. I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen oh. you and I think Chris in talking about it yes. on Discord. I don't know anything about it. Okay. So surface level, it's human kid goes to magical world. Typical okay. young adult high fantasy. Oh, I fell through a door. Oh, there's demons everywhere and magic. And oh, I grew up reading this book that's a spinoff of Harry Potter, but not really. And then the show just explodes into a really deep, very well-plotted story. Like, I'm talking young justice-level plot development from episode one payoffs to where we are now at the end of season two, you know, 48 episodes later. Excellent performances, excellent animation, um, incredible representation of um, everything from sexual and gender identity to just you know, be found family and forming relationships, really positive messages about um, like honesty and finding your family and doing the right thing, more morality, ethics. And on top of that, you've got this, oh, we're in a magical world with demons and the world's going to end and we have to try to stop it. There's like hidden messages with a hidden cipher <laughs> scattered throughout this thing. Uh, it, it is... It is fantastic. Absolutely amazing. Um, The first season and three quarters is on Disney+. Plus. They did that weird release where we got the first half of season two on Disney+. And then they've been airing the current episodes on actual the Disney channel. Hmm, And then they're going to the Disney Now app if you have a cable login. Um, But then we got like the first half of the second half of season two loaded to Disney plus because of how popular the show is being. Amazing. Yeah. Apparently Fox plate is also a fan. He's shouting out Al house as well. Maybe he might've been him. who was talking about it on discord. I remember you and someone were t- was talking about it on discord. I thought it was Chris in, but maybe it was him or maybe it was Chris. also Chris in. Yeah. Grant. Chris and I have been talking about it. I think Fox Blade got in on it once in a while there. It is amazing. Yeah, I, I'll put it on the list. I've got a, a few things. I'm, I'm currently doing so much TV watching. It's, <laughs> it's quite sad, actually. Um, yeah, so, so what are you doing? What are you up to? So, so much. Uh, well, when we leave for our vacation Friday, so I've got uh, getting ready for that. And uh, I'm supposed to get Action 12 Cinema back from the editor this week. I'm still waiting. I, there's no, It just says this week. Uh, and again, it's it's been delayed a couple times. I, I understand why I've been talking to Tracy. I get it, but I am excited to hopefully finally have it delivered this week uh, so I can move on to the next stage of development. I had a chance to run a play test for a podcast um, this Sunday, mm-hmm. Tabletop Journeys. We had them on detention just a few, well, I guess at this point, a couple months ago. Uh, really good guys. Like it, it's, they, they were very, very effusive with their praise that their show is basically our show. Like they liked what we did, so they stole it. Now they're doing <laughs> so. If you listen to us, you'll like them. If you listen to them, you'll probably like us. Um, but I once again, pl- I ran the game. I mean, it's, it's a genius game. I helped facilitate it for them. 
and they all loved it. Like they had a great time. Uh, they, once again, I, I've, I've said before, I've, so many people have had an opportunity to tell me this isn't actually a game and no one has done that. Just keep, I keep waiting for someone to go, you, this isn't actually a game. Like, what are you doing? Uh, so it seems like I actually have written a game. So I'm really excited to get to the next step of development. And then I basically wrote the rules for that game two years ago on the vacation I'm about to go on is our, our, our Gatlinburg vacation we do every year in June. And so this year, I'm going to be working on my new game, Thief Down and Out, which is a solo journaling RPG about a thief for doing one last mission, trying to risk it all to, to uh, you know, infiltrate a dragon's horde and get out alive. So I'm um, basically like you've seen it, Caleb. It's, it's like nothing right now. It's like four bullet points on a piece of paper. Uh, but I've got all these ideas. I've been like thinking about it, making decisions, but I'm actually going to write everything down. So fingers crossed by the end of the next week, I will have like a beta version of that. That's actually an actual game that I can start sharing and I already have the cover for it because it's just, I'm so excited as I do things. Watching a crap ton of TV. I watched Stranger Things season four, volume one, all seven episodes, some of which are like two hours long, uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. There's some ups and downs, but over, across the spectrum. I really enjoyed that. Caught up on Obi Wan. Um, I watched the first episode of Miss Marvel today. I really liked it. It's extremely charming. I had a bunch of fun with it. The Boys just started again, season three. Oh my God, that show is awful in all the best ways. So I went back. I'm now re watching the entire run as I'm also simultaneously watching season three. So I'm like four episodes into season one. And then my wife and I started a Buffy rewatch together. And she has violated the marriage, the sanctity of our marriage, and she keeps watching ahead of me. So, like, normally it's like we'd watch them together, and then I've been so busy doing other things, I'm like, I go to hit continue, I'm like, I'm not on season four, why are you on season four? So we're arguing about that. So then I make her rewatch, I just look at her, I go back, <laughs> like, you're watching this one again. Uh, so I'm like four episodes into season three. She's like halfway through season four, but I keep again making her watch it rewatch with me. So I mean, just so much TV. It's it's almost in fact it is overwhelming to a to an extent, but I, I'm really really enjoying it. And of course, I do the Smallville shows we alluded to earlier. So I'm constantly watching that multiple times and recording some episodes more than once. New York Tater in the house. Um, so Ooh. you actually get a shout out tomorrow, sir. You were the patron of the week for the faculty meeting that Tom and I recorded yesterday so you will be um mentioned uh thank you sir and i kind of I sort of i don't know how i'd say it i blame you for detention still being around um but i guess here i will thank you so that's enough for me so tom are you good to go are you ready to jump in here uh, maybe we'll see we'll see now this is super last minute for me are, you're like really weird your voice is not coming through how about now yeah okay okay i was one far away from or two one yeah one what? Two. Better here, better there. Not the same. Okay. Why do they always go one, two, and then three, four, two, three? Like <laughs> they give you one and two, but then you're still looking at two, but they say three and four. It's so confusing. <laughs> Why do they do that? I think it's all just made up anyway. I don't think there is a difference. They're just like testing you. I agree. I'm doing mic different mic setups. I'm so I'm in the pro. So we just moved. We just moved. Uh, love our new place and everything, but. The whole getting things set up. Yeah, um, you're still really low, according to the chat. So let me crank. Let me crank it up. There you go. How about All right. It? Is that freedom, Ron, dude? What's that? We'll turn it up. We'll turn it up. Okay. <laughs> so, no, so I'm still trying to get all my new audio set up, uh, office stuff set up. Um, you got to get rid of the ghosts? 
Got to get rid of the ghosts. Whenever we told our realtor when we were looking for a house, we I'm like, I need seven ghosts minimum. Seven ghosts minimum. I told her like we need like at least it's got to have at least a forty percent chance of being haunted. At least forty. Um. So the house is like a hundred and twenty something years old. Uh, it's cool. But yeah, so we're settling in still. It's been a process. I, I finally feel like today, Michael, I messaged you. I feel like I'm back because I, I started wading into tabletop RPG drama again today. And so you that, picked a good day to start back. Let I me know, tell you, so that was like the, that was the waystone that was like, Oh, okay. Um, it's it, Tom's. I, I am now ready to go. I have time to do this. So, you know, I have time to do podcasting stuff. Nice. Well, I'm happy to have you back again. You run a short break for the move and, you know, we've been trying to fit faculty meetings in and out. Uh, We haven't been doing any of our patron bonus stuff for a while. That's coming back. Um, Caleb, again, we, I've already mentioned it multiple times because we recorded this is now the third time in like three days because I can't hit record. Um, But it's always a pleasure to have you back. So very excited about all that. Uh, but we're going to kick things off uh, as we always do here after extracurricular with our first improv game, and that is 10 things. So if anyone's not familiar, we're going to take turns prompting one another in turn to come up with a list of 10 things that fit the prompt. The idea of the game is immediacy is more important than accuracy. So a fast list of 10 things is better than an accurate list of 10 things. Technically, Caleb, you are the guest tonight. So would you like to kick off this list by being prompted or would you like to prompt someone first? I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to someone. I'm going to give the prompts. All right. You pick whoever you want. Who are you prompting, sir? Michael. Okay. That would be me. Yes. That is you. (laughs) Give me, give me a list of 10 things that if you were hypothetically going through a storage unit, you don't want to find. Um, Dead rabbits. One. One. Alive rats. Two. Giant spiders. Three. A whole bunch of little spiders made up into one big spider. Four. Four. Asbestos. Five. Five. Candy that's on the borderline of whether I eat it or not. Six. Six. Black mold. Seven. Seven. Green mold. <laughs> Eight. Eight. A mirror into that sees into my soul. Nine. Nine. Uh, and a body. Wait, you want no? You want to find a body? No, these are things I don't, don't. want to find. Oh, okay. Don't. Yes. <laughs> that was sad. Yeah. New York Tater saved me there at the end. Yay! <laughs> All right. So the way it's on my screen, my Zoom. So I'm going to prompt Chris, then Chris will prompt Tom, and the Tom will finish off with Caleb. All, All right. right. So Chris, give That's me right. ten vegetables for your vegetable pizza. <laughs> All right. Broccoli. One. One. Uh, asparagus. Two. Two. Onions. Three. Three. Carrots. Four. Four. Purple carrots. Five. Five. Uh, cauliflower. Six. Six. That broccoli flower combo thingy. <laughs> Seven. Seven. Uh, Brussels sprouts. Eight. Eight. Uh, squash. Nine. Nine. Potato. Ten. That is, in fact, a list of ten things. We just lost half our viewers, so apparently our as, improv game sucks. As a vegetarian, I wouldn't put that stuff on my pizza. Like, I don't know how Thank you, you. Like, make pizzas, but like, you didn't like peppers. Like those weren't even thrown on there. It's not like real pizza with veggies. It's like a veggie pizza, with like the cream cheese 
Yeah. Oh, it's like a, a veggie platter, but that's put on a pizza crust to pretend it's not a veggie platter. See, the, the first one starts nice. The more I drink, the worse it gets. <laughs> <laughs> so many things in life can be that way. All right. So, yeah. Chris, you now prompt Tom. All right, Tom. Uh, Ten things to not bring in a twister game. High heels. One. One. Knives. Two. Two. You're still really low. Vegetable oil. Three. (laughs) Three. Uh, A cape. Four. Four. No capes. Five. Five. Armor. Six. Six. A pile of bricks. (laughs) Seven. (laughs) Uh, Too many people. Eight. Eight. A double twister. Nine. Nine. Oh, an actual twister. Ten. Ten. Yay. That was in fact a list of 10 things. All right. So, Tom, you will prompt Caleb. Okay. So, Caleb, here's your prompt. All right. You're in a tavern, fantasy okay. tavern. You order a fantasy burger. Give me 10 toppings for your fantasy burger. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. Ooze eyeballs. One. Okay. One. Uh, black dragon spine. Two. Uh, blue dragon tongue. Three. Uh, uh, Manticore spines, or spines, um, lich fingernails. Five, uh, mummy dust. Six, six, um, bargist bacon. Seven, um, uh, hydra heads. Eight, eight, uh, blink dog nuggets. Nine. Uh, displacer beast buns. Ten. Woo. That's in fact a list of ten things. Yeah. Gnomes. Yes. Gnomes. Also yes. gnomes. They also have, gnomes. You know they have like tomatoes in the first. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, they don't. No. Yeah. They the do fantasy not. world has no tomatoes. No. What's right. a tomato? Right. So we're going to move into used books. This is generally the sort of the meat and potato section of the show where we're going to talk about a previous campaign that one of us either played in or maybe ran and see if we can, you know, deep dive, try to come up with some due difference or, or keep the same things that went well. We want to keep doing things that went poorly. We try to avoid Caleb again. You are the guest tonight. So do you have a campaign you want to talk about, sir? I do. So this is a campaign. I never titled it because I'm very bad at coming up with titles. Uh, but this is a campaign I ran or attempted to run. Um, early college years, I've been playing for a little while. I tried a couple like out of the book campaigns, didn't really know what I was doing. Thought I'd try my hand at something kind of homeroom. So we talked with the group about what we wanted to play. Uh, we didn't call it session zero um, because we weren't doing anything responsible to session zero. Take a drink because we didn't know about that yet because we were dumb. Yep. Uh, But everyone wanted to play Druids. And this was early, well, late 3.5, early Pathfinder first edition timeframe. Were you all from Druidia? No. Were they running out of oxygen? No. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But everyone wanted to play a different type of Druid. And since it was that era of gaming, there were near infinite amount of variations on the Druid class. So um, I put this together where um, they started inside a wicker man on fire. Mm. 
I love Wickerman. On fire. On fire. And okay. they looked out of the Wickerman and they saw uh they saw the big bad like uh doing a ritual that they were the sacrifices for. And then we jump back in time to the start of the adventure. Go back in time. <laughs> exactly. So we we didn't start low level. I've never liked low level games, but we started kind of well established and we had this setup where they were all part of this druid religion and very typical adventure call to action. Uh, a stranger came to town, said someone in the neighboring town needed help. And these, this group of folks was the, uh, the selected go prove yourself on this adventure kind of thing. So we ran through really typical adventure beats, typical monster encounters, very cliche, very tropey. And actually it was going pretty well. Like they, um, I was able to bring in the villain once or twice as kind of his rise to power because my, my plan for this campaign was we were watching his rise to power alongside of what the heroes were doing, knowing they would eventually cross paths, he would capture them, and then he would try to use them as sacrifices for his evil ritual, and then we would see what happened if they could get out of the Wicker Man. Well, it was going really well. Um, the problem we ran into is that two of the players got really bored with their characters. Mm-hmm. So they tried to kill themselves off so they could roll new characters. I was a very inexperienced GM at the time. So uh, in my head, that wasn't allowed because they all came from this original village. They were sent on that mission. I was thinking in my head, well, I said these four dudes have to show up at the end in the Wicker Man. I can't swap out two different dudes. Right. So basically, I was instead of uh, the GM just dropping rocks and killing everybody, I was magically keeping everybody alive (laughs) despite their best efforts. So it got to a point where they just got really, really frustrated with the game and stopped playing. Yeah. Um, That's tough. It is. I mean, I I do like that as a concept, um, but I I can see the inherent problem with with what you have set up as someone who's done something similar oh, where yeah. you start, go back in time and to get back there. It's, it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple of different things about that, that I actually think we could, we could talk about. One would be starting that a game in that situation where you have a fixed point that you then have to get back to uh, time travel sort of in the game. But I think probably the big thing that I would want to start with is the idea of, when people want to change characters, not because they died, but just for whatever, they're, they're bored of them. They wanted to try a subclass. Subclass wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. You know, a new book comes out and they're like, oh, now I want to play this thing that wasn't available when we started. Um, so I'll go to you, Chris. Have you ever had this happen either as a player or a DM GM where you've been in a campaign that is was created with the idea of this will be an ongoing, continuous thing. And then for whatever reason, someone wants to change a character. Yes. Uh, me. Okay. I got uh, frustrated with how the GM was running the game because in his eyes, if you didn't follow his strategy, combat got really difficult 
Mm. So if you thought outside the box, it got more difficult. So I was getting frustrated. So me and one of the other players purposely were trying to just get our characters killed so we could try to basically start over. So it sounds and very similar to what Caleb set up here. Yeah. It, it, it was actually very comical because like one of the scenarios we were being surrounded at night and the GM's like, you can hear movement. We're like, okay, we sit there back to back. It's nice and warm by the fire. We wait, <laughs> we got surrounded. The attack happened. Our two characters could not miss, could not get hit. Mm. Two of the other players' characters almost died. It's like, how does this work where I want my character to die and nothing can hurt me? So I've been there. You know, it, as a player, it's really hard to say to a friend, hey, this isn't working because they put time and effort into it. But mm-hmm. I think at times you have to have that hard conversation. Yeah, hope your dice don't turn on you and mock you and not let you die. Shall taunt you a second time. (laughs) Every faculty meeting we do, me and Michael try to come up with creative solutions to problems, but it's always just like, yeah, just talk to people. Just talk to somebody. (laughs) Yeah, just talk. Just talk it out. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So what eventually happened in that one? Did you end up talking to your friend? Did you get your character killed? What happened? No. uh, Luckily, I was able to, well, not luckily, I switched positions at work and I also had to work late those nights. Mm. So fate kind of worked out for me. And then the game just fell apart because the other players basically just said, we're not really digging the story. It's more your story, not our story. You know, we're, we kind of want to not just follow your, your plan. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we formed up another night and played a different game with somebody else running it and that went a lot better. Gotcha. All right. What about you, Tom? Have you ever had this uh, situation happen as a player or as a GM where someone's wanting to change characters midstream? No, not, not, not really. I'm trying to think like if this has happened before and it really, it really hasn't. I will say this. I did. I will let my character, my players like completely change their class. So this happened in Saltmarsh where Jake, I can't remember exactly what he was playing right at the beginning, but he didn't really like it. He wanted to be an arcane archer instead. And so I, we just like, you can be an arcane archer. You don't need to explain how you became an arcane archer. <laughs> but he had the, his character had the exact same personality. Everything was the exact same. But he's now an arcane archer instead of a sorcerer or a wizard or whatever it was. And it's that like when was you just, recast a main actor in a, in right. a sitcom. Exactly. No so, it was, so he was the same character, but it was just a different class. And we didn't like, we're like, we didn't feel like we needed to come up with an in-game reason. Because it was more of like, hey, I don't really like these mechanics. I want to do something else. So I'm like, sure, just do it. And you like your character as, as they are right now, so we're not going to change it. So, Yeah, I think... Well, sadly, as everyone knows who listens to our show, every every campaign I've ever started dies early on. So I don't think I've ever had one look, go long enough that it could have someone could have gotten bored enough to change characters. But certainly at this point in my career, I'm going to be very much like Tom. Like, sure, I don't care. Change your character. Change your characters. Like background, their species, their powers, or spells. I honestly, I don't care. I want my players to have fun, and if they're not having fun with the character then I want them to change it and it will either make up a reason why or not. You know, again, it's not like there's enough continuity that it 
really should matter. Though I'm also doing a lot more one shots these days. So if you don't like your character, you wait an hour, the game will be over either way. <laughs> um, but I guess I want to circle back to you, Caleb. So what lesson did you take from this? So let's say we want to do the same thing tomorrow. You're starting a new campaign, us three as players, and you kind of want to set this sort of like, we're going to start near the end and get back to it. I'm like, Hey, I want to play a wizard. Then I'm like, Oh, actually I want to play a warlock. Cause they're better. How true. What would you do now? What, what, like, what lesson did you take from that experience? Well, the lesson I took at the time was slap your the, friends. Yes. And it was their fault for ruining the game. <laughs> uh, what I would do now with my experience under my belt is I mean, frankly, I would let them do it. That I, I, I wouldn't want to sacrifice the game on and, and make this the hill I would die on. So what I would do then is I would let them do whatever they wanted, let them be happy at the table, but then rewrite my ending. Because the lesson here is that it's not my story I'm telling, it's our story we're telling together. I just happened to tell the first part of it. And if we're talking about this, we start in the future, but then really start in the past building up to the future well the future's in motion the future's changing i would give one of them a vision or divine inspiration or oh suddenly you have a flash and you remember that future but now it's a little bit different like i would just kind of let the narration roll i would still get to that point hell maybe uh maybe that character that one of you is playing that you abandon does come back as an NPC and is still there with you. I mean, there's a zillion different ways you can do it. The the key is what story do we want to tell together? Yeah. I think that's, that's like one of the biggest questions that I think is, is hard to explain to someone who wants to DM for the first time and and is new. And there, there are certainly exceptions. There are different types of games, but I think a lot of people, myself included, when I was first drawn to wanting to be a dungeon master was because I thought I was a good storyteller. I like to write stories. I like to create stories. And the idea that I was creating this story that the players kind of got to play through is somewhat at odds to the improv style of GMing, at least as it's evolved now. I think back in the day, it was a lot more like you're in a dungeon, go through the dungeon. Like you could, you could do that as a DM. I get to create the entire dungeon. I get to create why the dungeon exists, who's at the end of it and what their plans are. And the players really can't mess with that too much. They just decide which room they go through and how they overcome the obstacles. But the type of stories that I like to tell now is, you know, political, it's relationship based. It's a lot more interactive. And that's why I talk a lot about the way I plan games is I plan the start. Like this is where you're starting. And I have no idea where we're going next. And at the end of that game, I will decide how the next game starts based off of what happened. And I don't know what's going to happen after that. And it has been a lot more fun for me. I really enjoyed that. But I absolutely was that person back in the day where I was like, this you're playing my story. And yeah. if you try to get out of bounds too much, I'm going to correct you back in because I don't know what to do if you don't follow along. And I, I like to think that's a problem we've sort of moved the entire experience away from. But I think that was what happened to a lot of us back in those days. Yeah. Um, One thing I will also mention again, Dark Discovery, it was a patron only thing. It's now on the main feed. It's one of our campaigns. I did that a lot where we would do a flashback, but it was also a much shorter time period. Like I would start off each session, like 
in the future and then we would go back and everyone kind of knew we had to get back to that moment but it was it's like a tv show like the cold open was right before the end so we really we we pretty much knew by the end of that session we were going to get back to where we started so it was a lot harder to like it wasn't like we started at the end of the season and we had 15 sessions to get back there. Each each session was its own little mini version of that. And I thought it worked really well. I was really, really happy with how that one turned out. But I, again, I kind of minimized the, the the variance factor by doing it that way. It's very meta of you. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. anything else from you, Chris? Any, uh, any new thoughts, new experiences, things you'd want to try if that came up now differently than what may have happened in the past? Uh, I mean, in my situation, I would definitely talk with people, just be more honest with them and just say, hey, look, it's not my game stuff. That's what you guys want to play. Go for it. You know, that's just not my thing. And see if anybody else felt that way, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have done the flashback, like you were talking, and done that successfully. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing with that is really sitting down and just laying that out from the beginning of, hey, I have this cool little one shot. Here's where I want to start it. Here's how I kind of want to end it. How do we get from, you know, the flashback start to the ending again? And that takes just some good buy-in from the players. Mm-hmm. And my favorite time of doing that, we actually did it in four acts. It was just two player, me and another person. And he GM scene one, I GM scene two, he did three, I did four. Mm. So we didn't really know what to expect in the next scene because I didn't plan it. Mm-hmm. So that worked really well. Um, but we had an end destination in mind that was kind of a shared concept. So that was what really worked really well. That's cool. Yeah. I'm not a team player enough to let that happen. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, one of the things that, again, I'll, to plug my own game, Action 12 Cinema, coming soon, maybe hopefully to Kickstarter near you, um, is when we do the, the setup and we decide like what type of movie story we're telling and all that kind of stuff, we create two locations. We create the location where the game starts and we create the location where the game is going to end. So everybody knows those two points in the story. So if we say, okay, we're going to start on an airplane, then everyone knows that their character has to start on this airplane because we've all agreed that's where we're going to start. And we know that it's going to end in the submerged city of Atlantis. Okay, the fun is figuring out how we get from point A to point B, but we all know where we're going to get to, but we still have freedom to go wherever and however to get to that point. But I think it does help knowing that up front. And I think that would work with like a classic D and D campaign as well. It's like, okay, we're all starting as dirt formers in pig town, but at the end, you're going to be fighting the demon lich for the sake of the world. But let's figure out how we get there together. There's a lot of vulnerability when you're telling a story like this. Like, I, I think the safety net is I'm telling my story or I'm telling the story that I have structured out. Even if I haven't written every word line by line, I've structured the story beginning, middle, end. I can feel safe as a GM that I can rely on that crutch. I can rely on that foundation. There's a lot more vulnerability and trust with your group to say, I have this crazy idea. Let's see how it works out. Or... I know where we want to start. I want y'all to tell me where we're going to end and we'll figure out along the way. Easier to do with a group you play with all the time, a group you trust, a group you know how to play off of each other. Can you do that at a convention? Much more difficult. 
um, some games lend themselves to it, like Action 12 Cinema, it includes that structure perfect for a one-shot at a convention where you might not know each other. If you wa- if you try to do this type of, hey, let's just go crazy <laughs> with D&D or Pathfinder or something at a convention where there's six strangers at your table, who the heck knows what's going to happen? It's probably going to go poorly. But probably. I mean, I'm sure there's some examples of just, you know, serendipity. Everyone <laughs> comes to the table. It's just, you know, kismet. It works out perfectly. It's the greatest convention game ever. But I think you're going to have a like high level difficulty, low rate of success. But if it does succeed, it's going to be an epic story for everyone will tell for the rest of their, their gaming careers. For sure. Um, I'm again, I'm a big TV person. I mean, start off with extracurricular. I watch a lot. And I know at this point, Josh Whedon has created some of my favorite things that have ever been on TV, but apparently he's a trash human. So yeah, take what you can, you know, got to keep that in mind, but watching Buffy, really is a good blueprint, I think, for how I run my games now. They're very much like a serialized TV show where every session is kind of like an episode. You're going to have arcs in there. You're going to have some serialized storytelling where these arcs might go for the entire season, might go multiple seasons, but each session is kind of its own episode in a way, and you're going to have the beginning, middle, and end there. And you have freedom for, oh, that character isn't working we don't see them again. Or, you know, we thought this is where that character was going, but something really interesting happens. How does that change them as they go forward? Uh, So I absolutely structure my games now, much like I'm telling a a serialized TV show with something, some elements are more serialized than others. But I do think that's a good, like blueprint template for how I like to tell stories. I think it works out very well. Yeah. All right. So with that, we're going to move into truly everyone's favorite part of the show. And that is our second improv game, Where Have My Fingers Been? And in this improv game, we will once again take turns prompting one another to create a short scene that involves two or more characters. And uh, generally, you try to have a beginning, middle, and end, but I often leave out at least one of those because I think that's fun. So, Caleb, you again, you're technically the guest tonight, so would you like to receive a prompt first or give a prompt first for this game? Um, I will give a prompt first. All right. Once again, you can pick who you would like to give that prompt to. Um, I will give a prompt to Chris tonight. All right. Perfect. Because on my screen, that's diagonal. So it's going to be really fun. Mixing it up. Exactly. So you're going to provide the prompt, but Chris, you have to sing the song first or everyone riots. So please sing the song. Also just New York Tater. Where (laughs) have my fingers been? Said, where have my fingers been? Uh, Waiting in line outside of a food truck. How long is this going to take? Trust me, it's worth it. I don't know. It's just a sandwich. But it's a really good sandwich. Really good sandwich. You don't understand. You you don't understand when you get there. It's been an hour and we haven't even moved yet. Well, it's not open yet. What do you mean it's not open yet? Well, Caleb hasn't gotten here. What? He's still riding his bike. It's like 3,000 miles to go. What? But don't worry. He is the best at making sandwiches. I am going home. Call me when he gets here. And that's where my fingers are bent. Yay! You want a All right. truck, I didn't know this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Chris, you now need to prompt either Tom or myself to... 
make the pattern work. So who would you like to prompt? Uh, I'll go with you. All right. La, 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 la. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Uh, watching your favorite TV show, but the person next to you has watched it and they keep trying to spoil it for you. Okay. Pause. Why did you pause it again? Well, I just, I want to make sure that you're watching. So you really need to pay attention. See the person in the background, watch them. Don't worry about who the actors, just watch them. Cause they're going to be very important later. I hate you and I'm leaving. And that's where my fingers have been. <laughs> Dude, that's a pro move. That's pro, pro. Get in and out. Okay. Right. All right. So the way it works, I will now prompt Tom. Okay. Jeff, sing the song. Okay. So, okay. Okay, give me. So, where have my fingers been? Say, where have my fingers been? Your fingers are pig farmers, or sorry, dirt farmers in pig town, <laughs> resisting the call to adventure. This is the day. No, it's not. It is not the day. We will never leave our mud. Wait. But we just saw Nicolas Cage in the movie Pig. And he left the pig farm to go on an adventure. But we are not Nicolas Cage. You're right. No one can be Nicolas Cage. And that's where my fingers have been. <laughs> it's a good moral right there. That's right. Yes. All right. Put the bunny down. <laughs> All right. So then you will finish this up by prompting Caleb. Okay. Where have my fingers been? I say, where have my fingers been? Your fingers are at the movies and trying to decide if you go see Morbius. <laughs> it's Morbin time. Is, is this the original Morbius? No, this is the second release of Morbius. That second release. Yeah, second okay. release. I want to see it. No, no, it's garbage. No, but this is the second release. They said there was going to be a special scene uh, if you if you record it on your phone and watch it backwards. No, that is internet malarkey. It's not real. I don't want to pay fifty dollars to have some to, to eat terrible popcorn and have some jerk kicking my chair watching this bad movie. Well, what if I pay for you? What if you just give me the fifty dollars and I leave? Okay, that's fair. That's where my fingers have been. Yay! <laughs> now that was four excellent, okay, three excellent <laughs> examples of where my fingers have been, and I also played the game. <laughs> you're Tedra, you're welcome. All right, so now we're going to move into our third section here. This is cryptozoology, and in this, uh, this segment, we're going to take a look at a monster, usually from D&D, but not always, uh, talk about ways that maybe we have used this creature in the past, maybe brainstorm some interesting ways it could be used in the future. Caleb, again, you are technically the guest tonight, so what monster do you want us to talk about? Uh, I think we should talk about golems. Golems. So this is the, the little frog dude from Lord of the Rings? Yes. <laughs> Yes, frog dude from Lord of the Rings, uh, very stealthy, but very selfish. I'm, I'm sorry, well. I'm, I'm just kidding. No, that's Gollum. Sorry. Oh, yes. Sorry. See, yes. I was just trying to yes and you. Yeah, I know, but it didn't work. I needed you to no and me it there because that was that was the bit I was setting <sighs> it's, up. It's been so long. I'm just off of our rhythm. I'm sorry. I'll so, get it next time. So interestingly, 
don't know. You might think it's interesting or not. Um, I couldn't find a golem in golem in fifth edition. What? I'm not sure there is one. I looked in the monster manual. I looked in the Tome of Foes. Neither one of them had a golem. I did, however, pull out my fourth edition book. Fourth edition monster manual. It's there. (laughs) And there's a golem there. There's so the golem golems are magically animated constructs created by wizards and other masters of secret lore to guard important places or treasure. Golems possess just enough awareness to follow orders. Single-minded, they ignore all but the most obvious dangers. In fourth edition, a flesh golem, a la Frankenstein, is a, a level 12 elite brute. I don't remember fourth edition, know what that means. Uh, and then you have golem lore. A DC-20 lets you know that they are given life by animated spark from an elemental chaos. This spark is not a soul or an independent creature, but raw vitality that gives the golem the power of movement and a glimmer of sentience. Uh, And a DC-25 would let you know that a golem's creator has complete control over its actions. Without its creator present, the golem tries to obey its last orders to the best of its abilities. All right, so Caleb, you wanted to talk about this. So do you have a particular instance of a golem that you've used in the past you want to talk about? Well, first off, there are definitely golems in fifth edition. There are. There, I couldn't find them. But I'm an idiot. Pulse. So there's that. Yeah, there's it's, there's flesh golem, there's an iron golem. Uh, are they listed under F and I instead of G? No, they're under G. I I looked, I didn't I, find them. I promise they're there. I looked at them earlier today. Well, the, the internet says most of them are in the creature codex, some are in the necropolis, the tomb of beast two, tomb of horrors. I, I looked in my fifth edition monster manual. Well, I don't. I'm looking right those. now under G's and Go. I got goat, goblin, goblin boss, gold dragon, wormling, gorgon, and goristro. There's no golem in fifth edition monster manual under G. Maybe you have a broken book. Yeah. Do you I, do you have a book that's missing pages? I have an index that's telling me that well, I don't if, know. If you just flip to the G's in the in the in the actual it's pages, not there. the index, they're there. It's totally you might there. Have like a collector's edition book. <laughs> there, there were there were those editions that were pasted very poorly and just fell apart. Maybe that's what happened. Okay, the index is wrong, but there are golems inside. <laughs> okay. Definitely misprints in that book. Wizard screwing up an index. Surprise, what surprise. Su- yeah. So I now am now seeing clay golem, flesh golem, iron golem, clay. stone golem. Stone. All right. So now that we've realized the indexes are awful, uh, please continue, sir. <laughs> so I like. That was really cool. I thought pulling out the fourth edition was like a. That was great. I mean, that was BDE kind of move. Yeah. 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 Deep cut. I, I applaud. I'm sorry that I took us down that path of journey and discovery to prove you wrong. I apologize. I wasn't wrong. The index was wrong. It's fair. Um, I've used golems a lot because they're monsters that don't think. And I say a lot, I'm referring to my early days as a GM because I haven't run a game for a really long time. Um, But I always liked using golems. I, pl- I, I liked having a lot of big bads that were just, you know, super high-level wizards or, or, uh, or clerics or something. So I liked that concept of here's the big bad wizard and here's the horde of things to get through to get to him. So 
those were a lot of a lot of the campaigns that I ran ended that way. And I liked having golems because it was basically I didn't have to argue or try to figure out, okay, what's the tactics that this Minotaur would use or these Hydra would use. It's I'm the wizard is literally creating a monster to say, go do this thing. It was easier for me to justify in my head, and I my players couldn't question it. Because again, early days of GM, I didn't trust people to do a lot of things. So I liked using them. They're big bags of hit points. They hit hard. Um, I believe they're immune to like all the stuff, right? Sleep spells. uh, Yes. Secret attackers, whatever stealth attacks, don't really do the extra damage. They were immune to a lot of things, and they all had weird magics that gave them extra powers. Like, I don't remember any of them off the top of my head, but I know with certain golems, like if you hit it with electricity, it speeds up. Hmm. Or if you hit it with whatever, some other elements, um, it would get some other really weird random benefit. So I liked them because they would be extra challenging for the player characters. You can't just try to put them to sleep or confuse them. And if you would rely on one of your main elemental attacks, there's a chance you would actually power up the bad guy and make them harder to hurt or harder to kill or whatever. Um, it was kind of cheap at the end of the day. Um, I think conceptually they're pretty interesting. Like I, I think the books typically portray them as just, I made a servant to do a thing, guard this door, hit this bell, kill that guy. Mythologically, you could do, they came from a whole bunch of different places. I think you could do a lot of different things with them if you were super creative, but they end up getting kind of relegated to the background a lot of the times. Yeah, I've definitely used them in the past as the, it's a giant robot sort of thing that's hard to kill, hard to hit, takes a lot of damage. Again, that does have some weird effects. Um, I do remember I actually played a golem once. This was before everyone was a thing, but I came up with the idea of like an awakened golem. I called it the blue angel because it was like a blue skinned golem. That was really cool. I thought it was really neat. And then, you know, Keith Baker obviously found out about it and made Ebron. Um, I like the idea of, of the single-mindedness of the golem. I keep on saying golem, golem, whatever. Um, but I want them to be smart enough to be tricked. Like, I, think, I think that's the fun to be had with them is that, like, a crafty player can take what their specific instructions are, like, guard this door and find a way to manipulate it so that they can get by it. Because, like, well, your job is to guard the door, but we're going to knock the wall down. You're not, you were never told to stop anyone from knocking the wall down, just guard the door. And the golem's like, yeah, you got me. Like, I think that's kind of the fun (laughs) thing of using them. Um, So, Chris, have you ever used a golem or encountered one? I've never used one. Um, We've encountered them several times i didn't use them because all those immunities it i guess i I used it once and it really frustrated the players Mm -hmm. because they felt like i took all of their advantages away from them so i felt like i was kind of taking some of their fun away Mm -hmm. so i've never used them since then because of that one experience um i've come across them but I, i i like the challenge of doing like what you said 
can I melt the floor underneath them and they get stuck in the, in the, the rock, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what's so, so important about golems, golems is that, so some, some of y'all may know this. So the golem, it is like, it comes from um, Jewish folklore. All right. It's, it's go my, which is basically like my, it literally translates like to my raw material, like my raw. So in, so like they were, and the reason that I know this, all right, is because there's an episode of Supernatural where there's yep. a golem. All right. So um, basically what's so key about them is that, which I think we forget so often in role-playing games, is that they're primarily a protector. Like they would protect a community or a small child or somebody mm-hmm. who can't protect themselves. So, mm-hmm. so often we use them as like these creatures that are attacking or more like constructs. They are constructs, but more of like, a, like I think it would be cool to like give the party a golem. Like it's like, this is like this golem protects them. Maybe it carries, they are stupid things. Maybe it carries their, their uh, crates, you know, or all their weapons, or it's a stone golem, and so they can climb on its back if to board a river or something cool like that. And the other, then the other aspect of them is that it's which the monster manual kind of gets this is that it's typically what's so important is the raw material that they're made out of. Like golems are traditionally clay, but they're usually like one thing. So think about any like cool substance and then make that a golem, like a, a diamond golem or a magma golem. Magma. Magma. Uh, so, I mean magnets, like a whole Fast and Furious thing. That, you can do anything with magnets. That would be cool. So we actually, <laughs> so golems literally just showed up in the last session of Forbidden Lands that we played. So in Forbidden Lands, there's this spell, Summon Golem, or Create Golem. And so basically what it is, is the player, if they have, they can carve a statue. And obviously being Forbidden Lands, you have to have your spell component. So they have to, like, and every night at the campfire, one of my players, he crafts the spell component, which is a carved statue. Whether it's stone or wood, they have to have a little statue. Then what they can do is they can chuck the statue kind of like a Pokeball. And then when it lands, <laughs> if they were successful on, their, on their, their spell dice, they then create a golem. And depending on how many successes they roll, that's how powerful the golem is. And it's a, it's a dumb creature that cannot, it can't really attack. It can push, it can pull, and it can pick up. Three very simple things. Because they're meant to be more like, this is a utility thing. So get creative for how you're going to use it. So they have used golems in the past to um, summon it. And they they didn't attack, but they pushed creatures off of a bridge. So <laughs> that was what, how they used it. So I do like the idea of like some sort of mix up, like, like a, just a... Uh, comedy of errors that allows a party member to be to get a golem that is like to protect them yeah and and then they keep doing things that are really dumb to create situations from which they need protection because like that's the only way to get the golem to like help them in a fight is to do something so dumb that they are in danger and that like activates the golem's programming to like oh well now that you're about to get murdered i guess i have to step in and so that becomes like the the the, the game is how do i force the golem to help me by getting in such danger that it's 
programming kicks in. That could be a lot of fun. And obviously, you know, as a DM, you can account for the fact that, you know, the golem is going to be there to make the combats, you know, more difficult or difficult enough, but that could be a lot of fun of, all right, let's, let's see how much danger I can get in before the golems programming kicks in. So are there, here's a question I'll pose to the group. Are there, are there like creatures or a people in pop culture that aren't necessarily a golem, but may be a golem? So like, for example, is Chewbacca a golem? Like, you know, big, strong, always there, follows Han Solo around. Are they a golem? I don't know. Are there any other like famous golems that that we wouldn't think of, but they're a golem. <laughs> Chewbacca's a golem. I I don't think it's Chewbacca because okay. he's also the co-pilot. Okay, all right. This is a smart one. He could be a brainy golem. Yeah, like C three PO if you want to go that way. Maybe. I think what I get what Tom's asking is that they're they're a character that was created yeah. to like protect someone yeah, else, and they're exactly. maybe overpowered because when they are, when they get called into action, they almost always succeed and win and turn the tide of battle. Is that Groot? Like Groot? That's another. I, yeah, Groot came to mind. Yeah. Vin Diesel as a person, just Vin Diesel. Okay, Vin Diesel. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think of like a a bodyguard archetype or a bodyguard character. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of. Baymax. Oh, the Baymax. Baymax. That's, That's a, good a really one. good one. Yeah. All right. New York Tater says Trot. I don't know who Trot is. I think he was trying to get to Groot. Okay. So it's Grout. Or Grout. Grout. Grout, little known friend of Groot. <laughs> uh, ba- he comes from the bathroom. He's always in the middle. He's always in the bathroom, but he's always in the middle of things. Yeah. Um, really hard to get clean, but very yeah. helpful. I have used a series of golems as a trap puzzle before where, um, and it probably made sense at the time or didn't. I don't know. I ran games stupidly, but there were four golems in four different corners of like a, a, um, a labyrinth. And when they saw you, they became activated, but they only had like one move is, you know, like the whole karate thing. Um, like they had to attack, you know, in a certain way. And the game was to move them so they fought each other. Mm. So, like, you would have, like, jump in front of it, and it would come down the hallway. And if you jumped out of the hallway, it would reset. It only moved when it could see you. And so you had to, like, play the game where letting it close enough to, like, keep seeing you, and it would follow you through the labyrinth. And in my mind, the puzzle was if you could get all four of them to face off against each other, they would then fight and destroy each other, and then you could get past them. Okay. I like that. Yeah. All right. So any other ways we can think of to use a, a golem in the future? Besides, I, I do like the idea of giving the party one. I think that could be a ton of fun. But uh, beyond that, any any other ways that we could think we could use one that would be an interesting way to encounter them? I've, well, I, I could see somebody kind of a murder mystery as body parts are being collected to build a flesh golem. Mm-hmm. And the group has to kind of figure it out. And then they find the guy and has, you know, completed his spell. And now they have to fight the big bad guy and his new little flesh golem. Frank, I do like the idea of, of maybe mixing it up a little bit where they're taking certain things from certain people, but the body parts themselves are also imbued with like a magical ability. Mm-hmm. So like the hand from a wizard allows it to cast spells and like the leg of a paladin gives it some sort of like healing Sort are of the like, I know that's not exactly how it works, creating, but are you creating like a like 
a megazord out of body parts like <laughs> yeah basically has different like things that it yeah can like do. each body part gives it something beyond just the fact that it's an arm it it is imbued with a power is so a megazord it's a golem okay yeah it is it's a big dumb creature that can't do anything until it's like commanded to you know I mean, it could be like a scarecrow. Like maybe the last thing is a brain. Like, you know, like the the classic, I want to be immortal, but rather than becoming a lich, they build themselves a body and then they try to put their brain into it. And then they have like, you know, superpowers because they have this nearly impervious body with the brain of the bad guy. It would be interesting if you could use it in kind of a mystery. Like, let's say there was a clay golem, but then the clay came from, because like you said, Tom, it's like all one component. Mm-hmm. The clay was really weird. Like it, it wasn't a clay around the town where they're in, or it was from a different mm. island or a different land. So they had to kind of figure out where the golem came from. Maybe, maybe the golem was a messenger because typically whoever makes the golem sends it on a mission or gives it a task. Yeah. What if the golem was a messenger but the message got lost somehow or garbled or it was damaged. It couldn't deliver the message. So they had to like play detective and figure out where they came from. All good detective stories have the detective analyzing some dirt and being yeah, like, always. oh, this is yeah. from two counties over. Yeah, this dirt is from this particular mine. Because um, I, I kind of think in that Supernatural TV show episode, wasn't that or maybe I'm thinking of something else, but basically a golem was like sent to do a thing. It was almost like an assassination. And that's like the golem showed up, did its job. And then like either, either turned back into dirt or was able to train, like move through dirt. It had like, like tunneling powers or whatever. So that was like the murder mystery of who killed this person because it couldn't have been anybody, but they're dirt in the type of a thing. So that could be a, a you know, again, playing with the lore a little bit top of a thing. So, all right. Well, I think we've come up with some good things here. Uh, apparently, we've sparked New York Tater uh, to think about how they could use a golem in their campaign. So we've, we've accomplished our job. Yeah. Uh, so we're now we're going to move into the last segment of the show, and that's our question and answer period. So we do have a few people watching. If anyone has any questions for us individually or as a group, great. You know, we do have reserved the right not to answer them if they're too personal. But I think it'd be kind of funny if actually I'd, I'd probably try to. But I know there's a little bit of a delay. So while we're waiting for questions to possibly pop in, we'll go around and let everybody know once again where they can find us. So, Chris, where can people find you on the Internet if they want to come hang out with you? Uh, Twitter is the easiest way to find me. Uh, Burlu underscore Chris. Uh, otherwise, you can still catch me on the Redemption podcast. Uh, take a little break for the summer, but we'll be back for our last season after the summer. The end of an era. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. Find me at, at Bezcar Tom. That's Mandalorian Metal Tom on Twitter. That's it. And I'm back like full swing. Like I was telling you at lunch today, I was, I mean, I was getting into it. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, Caleb, what about you? Where can people find you on the interwebs? You can find me on the socials at the Caleb G. You can also hear me over on Chaos Incorporated. That is the Identico actual play. We are in a mid-season break, but we will be coming back within a month or so for season two of Chaos Incorporated, uh, twitch.tv slash Identico, as well as all of their YouTube stuff. You can also see... 
uh, some of the gaming resources and games that I'm creating for charity over at point5past.org on the socials at P, the number five past, P5 past. Uh, We are a Star Wars-inspired creative team making games and gaming resources, soon to be adding to that list fiction and podcasts, written fiction and audio podcasts, as opposed to written podcasts. I don't know why I said it <laughs> that favorite, way. My favorite yeah. Yeah. form of podcast. <laughs> a written podcast. It's just a transcript. Is it a, is it a book? <laughs> no, a book. no, it's not. It's a written podcast. Ooh, okay. I'm going to invent a new genre. Right. So we are uh, putting this stuff together, putting it out for free, just like we always do. But we are asking if you like anything we do, you choose to support. You may choose to support a charity that we are function- uh, supporting right now. We are working with Pelotonia, a cancer research. So if you go to our site, you'll see the link to donate to Pelotonia directly. If you like what we do, throw them five bucks, fight some cancer. And we will keep making games and podcasts and written podcasts. And I will be totally riding, a thing. I will be riding my bike in Columbus uh, at the, in the heat of August for cancer research. So that is what we are doing. Fantastic. Uh, as for myself, of course, you can find me at the RPG Academy on Twitter. Um, I'm often on our Discord. It is truly my favorite corner of the internet. It's just lovely people talking about nerdy stuff. So I love uh, hanging out there. It's an open community. Anyone can join, but you do have to ask. It's you can't just join. It's closed. But it's a closed, open community. You know what I mean. Uh, so if you're interested in joining, you're not already there. Let me know. I'll send you the link. It's it's a it's a really fun, cool place to be. Uh, I will quickly um, talk about or, or promote our new streaming show called The Sample Adventures. The streaming did not work the first time. Did work pretty well the second. We're still working on my internet's terrible. Uh, so we did a sample adventure of the Star Wars Force and Destiny box set. We did a sample adventure of tunnels or temples and tombs, which is like a romance in the stone, Indiana Jones style uh, pulp I'm, action. I'm still, I'm still like kicking myself that I was not paying attention to the Excel spreadsheet and missed that this was on the list. Yep. And Christopher was actually running the game. Yep, we had the designer himself run the game. It was a lot of fun. That one is currently still on Twitch. You can go back and watch it. There'll be an audio version, audio-only version coming out. The next one on the list is the Alien RPG. The Big Owl is going to run for us. Tom is going to run a Forbidden Lands one. I'm working on a Fantasy Age one. So we've got like 40 or 50 different games uh, that we're going to be doing one-shot streams of coming out in the future. It's very, very cool. Uh, so we don't have any questions that came in, but we do have one question that we ask kind of everybody, and it's been a while, Caleb. I don't know if I've ever asked you this. I don't remember, so I'm going to ask you now. Imagine you are an action figure. Or did I ask you this like Because you were on detention like two weeks ago. Did yeah, we you ask you asked that? Me. Yeah, you asked right, me Tom, I don't think we've asked Tom, so we'll go to him then. You're an action figure, Tom. What are the three accessories that come in your package? Ooh, okay. A coffee cup, for okay. sure. A good coffee cup. Uh, the other accessory is a sword. Because I feel like I would be a really good action figure. And all good action <laughs> figures come with a sword. Mm-hmm. Like a gun. Nobody wants an action figure with a gun. Okay? And then the other accessory that I would have is a... Uh, ooh, Okay. Also, good action figures have multiple heads you can put on. Mm. I would have a regular head, and then I would have a mustache. (laughs) So you can decide which... Not just a mustache, like different heads. Yeah, like different heads. 
like wow, wouldn't it be just like a mustache you put on it would be like oh i want to put the this wouldn't have like if you've ever had any anime figures you know they usually come with like a rage face like this would be a regular face and mustache face <laughs> There you go. Those are good accessories. Yeah. Those are those are definitely yeah. I would pay extra for those. Cool, primo yeah. one. All right. So no other questions came in, so we'll call the show there. Thank you everyone for hanging out with us tonight. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris, Tom, and Caleb for being on the show. Uh, before we go, I do like to remind everybody that part of our show notes going forward on every episode that I can remember to do this, uh, we do have links to the Trevor Project, to the Texas, text, the text crisis line and then also to the national suicide prevention hotline so if you or someone you know is having some difficulty and those resources would be important to you we're trying to make them as available as we can to people who might need them and then of course we always say before we sign off if you're having fun you're you're doing doing it right right. thank you all and we'll see you next time bye-bye Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.